Hey guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we're going to look at the reopening of the Australian economy. The pros and cons, the businesses that will do well versus the businesses that won't, and what this really means for the stock market, and more importantly, what this means for your investment opportunities and potential profit within the stock market. I'm sure you're going to find this one really useful. It's also going to give you a very different set of lenses to look at this opportunity. See you in the show. Hey there and welcome to this week's Money and Investing show with me, your host, Andrew Baxter, and of course joining me alongside my faithful companion, Mr. Mitch Olerential. Faithful I am, Mr. Baxter. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, and as well as you've opened up that initial speech, I want to talk about the opening of the economy today. Let's jump straight into it. That's a very impressive segue. That's impressive. Just a nice little translation there. Okay, opening up of the economy. Most people can't wait, can they? I know, um, you know my wife's been at home with their kids now for eight weeks, homeschooling with four kids under five. It's been uh, quite the mission. And, and for a lot of people, that's been both parents at home uh, climbing the walls and running out of Netflix reruns to watch. So, you know, it really is something that's long overdue. People want to get out and about. What does it really mean? Does the world look the same when we get back out? I don't think so. And uh, it'd be interesting to see. Well, I think there's been so much damage done. And at the moment, if we're going to reopen the economy, we're just ripping that Band-Aid off, but mm. there's still going to be some pain to follow. It's not going to be the world as it was, is it? You know, and you look at different businesses, um, you know, getting back out and about is one thing, physically leaving the house. And most people would have probably noticed over the last couple of weeks, there's more traffic on the roads, there's more people out and about. So there's been like this soft uh, creeping uh, out to the Opening. Public. Yeah, let's call it opening, that's what yeah. it is, right? So, you know, it's been a little bit soft, and now we're getting to that formal stage where, you know, businesses are being allowed to officially reopen. But what does that really mean? And, you know, it's going to be some really good benefits in there, I think, for a lot of people, and there's going to be some pain on the other because there's always, in life, there's a yin and a yang. There's Absolutely. a positive and a negative. And, you know, if you're a, a business owner, and or, or better yet, if you're a customer, I think there are going to be some ripper deals out there. Um, in terms of, you know, you think about travel, airlines are going to need to install confidence in people to want to travel again, the safe, discounted airfares, um, hotels, cheaper places to stay, restaurants, cheaper dinners, come back, see what we're doing, promotions at bars, and probably plenty of other things as well. Well, we might have to take a trip to Vegas for a couple of hundred bucks and go to the best bar possible. I don't know how you're flying if you get in for a couple of <laughs> hundred bucks, but I'll see you there at the other end of the spectrum. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some, there's some huge opportunities there for the consumer. So on one level, it's going to feel, oh, how good is this? But as I say, there's a yin and a yang on the other side. And if you think about that from a business owner perspective, where does that then leave you? Um, you know, in terms of office space, if you've got to provide a larger square meterage per employee, does that mean you're going to move office so you can get everyone in, or do you have fewer people in? In which case, yeah, there's a possibility of some job insecurity, uh, the need where some people might be working from home on a more permanent basis. Now, obviously, you know, what I want to do before we touch on the pros and cons for, mm. say, the consumer versus the business, let's chat about what it actually means about reopening the economy. As we briefly mentioned, it's not just, hey, bars are open, you can fill it with 400 people and away you go. Mm. It's going to be a little bit more softer than that. So what do you expect we'll see from an economic standpoint of view and also a practical point of view? Well, I think a lot of people's expectation is is wildly unrealistic in the first instance, and that is that, oh, the economy's reopened, we turn on the light switch and it's all bright back to normal. and we're back as we were, and that's very much not going to be the case. Um, on any real metric, it, it, you know, there are millions of people that have lost their job and the tens of millions of people have lost their job in the US. So all of a sudden you've got a significant rump of people uh, that are out of work. Um, they're not necessarily gonna be that excited about the economy reopening unless it lets them get back in the workforce that bit more quickly um, because you know, you're know now moving to a situation where potentially living on a welfare check as opposed to the income that you were earning previously. 
Um, so yeah, I don't think it's going to be a day and night or we're back to normal at all. I think it's going to be a very different looking world out there. Um, consumer confidence is shot to pieces. Uh, you know, if you've got a choice of getting another six months out of your plasma screen, you probably work it pretty hard if you've been watching Netflix reruns. But <laughs> you know, if you've got a chance of another six months out of your plasma screen before you have to um, upgrade it or you want to upgrade it, if you're less secure in your work and, and you're concerned about where the economy is going, you're probably going to hold off spending that money um, too quickly. So do you think overall our GDP will, will further contract and consumer spending will, will heavily draw back? I think it will for the moment because it's kind of a litmus test. You People are going to want to have to, you, you're not just going to believe something that you've seen on the TV. I know a lot of people do, which is quite dangerous. <laughs> um, you, know, you, you want to want to test it yourself and see how it really is. Yeah, and, and, and you can look at that in um, you know, micro sectors. Um, you know, if you take supermarkets, for example, I mean, they've been, like, take Woolworths has had a fantastic run out of this. You had the panic buying in the first instance. Um, and I think we'll look back on this um, start of 2020, sort of March 2020 on reflection and just go, it, it was nuts. Remember when there was no flour, no pasta, no yeast, no toilet paper, no kitchen towels, no hand sanitizer. None of the stuff was there. Now it's all back to normal. And those nasty people that try to be hoarders and sell on eBay have been one and truly uh, flayed, uh, and rightly so. But Woolworth sales will slow down because now you, you don't have people, or rather when the restaurants and things open, people will start to go back out for dinner. Sure. Instead of eating at home, which has been another cause of more consumption in those more defensive grocery spaces. So, you know, it will impact on those kinds of businesses, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people do want to get out and about. Yeah. Exactly. And I guess we don't want to run the run the risk of people going, oh, my God, a restaurant's open. Let's go to the most expensive restaurant that we possibly can spend all of the money that we basically don't have. Only to realize the following week that things aren't really what they expected to be. Mm, that's right. You know, you sort of gone out big, and all of a sudden there's nothing behind it. You know, the credit card's looming four or five weeks down the line, and uh, and then you went out big, and there's nothing nothing sitting behind it. So that kind of baggage um, is a very real albatross around people's necks, and it will affect people's spending subconsciously or not. Um, you know, and in the early part of this, you saw stocks like Harvey Norman, you know, the car park was pretty busy as people were buying fridges, particularly, uh, because they wanted to store all this food that they're hoarding, <laughs> um, or, or, or electrical goods to enjoy doing nothing while you're on the couch. But, you know, again, I think those businesses, you know, and the litmus test I always use for stocks like Harvey Norman, and I've met Jeremy Harvey a couple of times, really interesting guy, um, is watch the credit or interest-free period that they offer in their promotions, it used to be three years, and it's four years, and it's five years, now it's like 700 months interest-free. <laughs> yeah, come back and live, your, your descendants can come and pay it off for you almost. Um, and when you start to see those lines extend, and these are the kind of economic indicators I look for as a professional trader to give me a gauge on what's really going on out there. So, you know, when you start to see particularly extended interest-free credit periods, not interest-free at the moment, interest rates are a quarter point, it's almost a a non-entity anyway. Exactly. But nonetheless, they give you a very good indication of that push-pull, whether there's really strong demand or whether it's backed off and they're trying to you know, put some air in the tanks uh, in, in, in that respect. So that's something I certainly look for. And you know, you're right, people might go out pretty hard, go back to work, but what are your chances of picking up that extra shift at work if, if, if things have slowed down some? Exactly. I think that's a really interesting point. Now, by built, building on that, I mean, there's obviously there's pros and there's cons to the mm. economy reopening. Now we can talk about the consumer in one camp and the business. Mm. So if you had to talk about the consumer first, obviously the the, the pros are things might be cheaper, things like that. Mm. I think it'd be a, a very much a consumer-driven market. If there's weaker demand, there's got to be more enticement for people to do things, which means there are more deals and more opportunities. 
Um, yeah, my wife and I were just talking about this yesterday. I've, I've got a birthday coming. Well, we have a birthday every year, but quite a big birthday coming <laughs> next year. And uh, we're just waiting to see what comes on offer in terms of you know flights for Europe for something that we've got planned. And so I think there are going to be some significant inducements because companies are going to need to very quickly suck in cash now to smooth out the absence of cash flow over the preceding few months. So I think from a consumer point of view, there are going to be some very, very good opportunities there if you can responsibly manage your money. Um, you know, travel is one big one. And we've talked already about you know, restaurants and bars and different promotions that you may see around that. So I do think from a consumer perspective, um, there's some, some good opportunities coming. The con on that is that from a business perspective, it's a bit of a nightmare because you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. You might jam in the first front month of cash flow, but if it's at a discounted price, that will impact on you going on through, especially if there's an initial surge in spending and then things back off as people go, well, hang on a minute, this isn't quite as I thought it was going to be. Let's just ease off a little bit on the motor here. Exactly, and you know, it's 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 pretty clear as the bargaining power of consumers increase, mm. so too does this, you know the bargaining power of your suppliers, being the businesses. Mm. You know, and you can just put it into practical sense. Yes, these restaurants might have discounts and and gyms and whatever it may be mm. to join up, and people will spend willy nilly at the start. But what happens a month later when the cash flow is a little bit tighter? Mm. You're still restricted on how many people can be in the one place at any given time. Yeah. What what would we see sort of three to six months down the track? I think that's where a lot of businesses have got to be quite savvy in in offers that you make today, uh, not cannibalizing your ongoing cash flow. So yeah, if you do, here's a promotion, sign up and get 12 months for some hugely discounted price. You go, great deal for the consumer. And from a business point of view, you've got that, that air coming in to say, hey, we've got sales, fantastic. We've smoothed our cash flow. But that's that one hit of cash flow. And there's not necessarily anything coming behind it as you capitalize on that initial surge. Secondly, if it's discounted, that's likely to be where your margins might be. But for many, many businesses, the landscape, and, and, and this has been an acid test. Uh, I know a good friend of mine uh, out at Success Resources, Michael Lane, the CEO of Success Resources in Australia, Laney down in Sydney, was talking about, you know, this is going to be a real true test of people that claim to be entrepreneurs and business owners versus the real people that are entrepreneurs and business owners. Right. Because it's sort of out the wheat from the chaff. If you can survive this and get to the other side of it, you're going to have a very good scenario of open field running because a lot of your competitors have fallen by the wayside. Exactly. But it's a question of being incredibly innovative. And if I look at some of some of my friends, people I know personally, particularly in the in the personal development space, people like Kerwin Ray, and I mentioned Michael, uh, Michael Lane, that very quick adaption of being able to get online, just as we have here, where we're able to deliver all of our product anywhere globally online. And, and the serendipity of that is that it's got our clients trading more quickly, and they've certainly been making more money given how these markets have been by being able to get up and running more quickly. That's a huge bonus, it's come out of a good innovative. We also know, you know, we've had job applications here from some of our competitors staff where they've shut up shop and good luck, I'm glad they have, um, you know, because are they real business owners and entrepreneurs or were they pretending their business wasn't sufficiently strong to get through this? And that's gonna be a real test as businesses come back on to be able to reinvent themselves to survive in this new landscape. So, you know, if you take your other businesses uh, that you have in the, in the fitness and uh, fitness uh, industry and, and we're talking just before we started the podcast so you're talking about maybe starting to run classes of 10 people as opposed to what do you normally get 30, 30. 35 people yeah so so do you now have to run three times as many classes which you may well have to do the challenge with that is that's three times as much labor cost exactly 
Yeah, and that, and that, that becomes a real drain because all of a sudden your costs start to increase and your revenue is flatlined. Your marginal return is dropped. Yeah, and the other alternative on that is to have less staff working at a given time. So then your service drops off because there's not two staff members, there's only one per class. It's a really hard paradox to navigate through, and it's just an example, being the gym industry with class numbers and staffing, to what it will be like for the rest of the economy and businesses within sure. that. And, and labour costs are one of those things, I think, that we often overlook. If we if we sort of think, oh, someone's on minimum wage, or you know, it's only 20 bucks an hour to have somebody serve coffees or whatever it might be. The reality is, on a public holiday, for example, it's $55 an hour. That's crazy. You cannot run a low margin business with that kind of overhead. It just doesn't work. And this whole notion of the Fair Work Act, and I'm not going to get political about this, it was brought in under the Labor Administration. Oh, it's great, it gives people a better income, but it gives a lot fewer people a better income, more sure. employed because of it. And so business is going to be very, very careful about overstaffing because if your service drops, you lose your customer. If you have to have more people in, you lose all your margin. And that balance is very, very tricky. And I think it's going to be a very difficult landscape for a lot of companies to get through. If we take some of our, our favorites, uh, we take Flight Center, for example, and we put out, you know, in our fundamentally speaking videos, I think it would have been about 18 months ago, where's the future of this business? How does that survive in the new landscape? People are less likely to want to travel. You know, if you're someone who's in a high risk group, older typically, you're not necessarily going to want to be traveling for a little while. And that's their target demographic, people that don't necessarily want to book online. Um, and yet you still get your rent in the shopping centers and you still get your staff that you've got to keep on. And you've probably got discounted holidays where your rebate or commission is lower. And finally, last week, I noticed that they caved in on their $300 change fee that they've been resolutely changing. <laughs> and now they've, they've had to cave in and resulted in you know, reduced fees there too. That's a really difficult landscape for that company to have to navigate. Uh, and that's just but one example. It's a very, very difficult space. So, you know, there are pros and cons. And if you're savvy and if you're, you know, listening to this, what I would um, what I would suggest is that you must have a side hustle. If you're someone that's employed, you might be very fortunate where you go back to work. I mean, we've been in a great position. We've actually expanded our workforce by 23% we have. over the last couple of months because we've got busier and our strategy is anchored and has worked well. But, you know, that big challenge if business or work is your only income, you have to have a side hustle because if the margins aren't in it or the overtime's not there or the pay rate's not there or the job goes, what do you then do? Exactly. You've got to have a plan B. Yeah. Very and, then, and, and that's why we teach what we teach. Now, our space is in the stock market. It's mm -hmm. in money and investing, hence the name of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, first and foremost, before we get into what people can do on what, what's happening right now, what would we expect to see in the stock market in our space? Look it depends on the time frame that you're looking at, Mitch. I mean, we're all about taking a big picture, holistic view. But the reason our strategies have worked so well for our clients is because we've shortened the time frame of what we're doing. This is a literally, you know, when we're in the midst of this crisis, it was day by day. Now we're at the stage where it's week by week. It's certainly not month by month or six monthly periods. And you know, for a lot of investors, they've used this as a buying opportunity. You know, remember the great times we bought in with Dean on low, March 2020, and I was able to buy into my um, you know, afterpay shares for nine dollars, and they're now thirty something dollars. I think they were forty dollars today. Yeah, point. so it's a crazy run that that stock's had. Wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't mention it. <laughs> um, but I think there's a very high probability of a further down leg in this market. Now, we've had a significant correction. You could call it a crash or a correction. It's certainly been significant enough to be called a crash. And we've had quite a nice recovery. Look at the NASDAQ, for example. The US market has had its strongest 
month or quarter for the last 31 years. 33 years, I think it was the strongest month. Strongest month for 33 years, which yep. is an incredible statistic on that rebound up. And tech companies in particular, NASDAQ is at a 12 month high. Um, the tech companies have done very, very well out of this because more and more people are using tech to communicate or to be at home, whatever, to run their businesses and so on. So they've had quite a nice run through this. But I do think there's an earnings crunch coming where, you know, we've already seen it with our banks here in Australia. You can see it with a lot of other businesses where, you know, we got through that first quarter of panic, but the business is much slower in this weaker economy. So I think there is an earnings crunch coming and I think that might be the catalyst for a further leg down um, in this market. And so that notion that oh, we bought in at the absolute low, didn't we do really well, it's recovered. Typically buying at the lows is a very, very hard thing to do. You know, if you think about first responders in the emergency services, absolute heroes, you know, one of the um, girls my daughter's at school with, uh, her, the, the child's father is a paramedic, and those are the guys when there's a fire or a problem, they run towards the flames, and you go, man, that's nuts, how do you do that? How do you condition yourself to want to put yourself in danger to save people? You look at 9-11, the guys running into the Twin Towers, they're Crazy. running towards the fire, everyone's running the other way. And in these markets, there have been some savvy investors that have run towards the flames. And I'd always encourage people to do that. But if you're going to do it, you do want to be wearing some fire retardant clothing, <laughs> wear a helmet, have a bit of a backup planning and an oxygen tank and a hose pipe in case you're wrong. Because you don't want to run into the flames wearing a pair of board shorts and getting cinders. You know, it's not, not really where you want to be. So there have been a lot of people that have done that and they've bought down at lows and they've made great money. Now, more than ever, it's very important for those people to have very dynamic and appropriate risk management if there is a further leg down that hard-earned money buying in and having the courage to buy in and take the bounce, you could very, very easily give back. So having professional levels of risk management is extremely important in these current circumstances. So that's the first thing for the market. I do think there's the potential for a further leg down, and I hate being negative about anything, but the reality and the experience I've got would suggest that that's, that's pretty likely to be the case. And is it as big as the one we've previously seen or much smaller? Yeah, I don't think it would be as big as what we've seen because that was a huge knee-jerk reaction and it was a massive correction. Massive. Uh, and uh, like all corrections, it's very quick. And we've also seen that V-bounce in, in a lot of stocks, which means that that support there is, is very emotively driven. It's not as robust as something that's taken its time to crack back up. So if there is a further leg down, I don't think it will be as severe. I could be wrong on that. It wouldn't be the first time I've been wrong. And, you know, this is the, the key thing about trading. Successful trading and investing, contrary to what most people listening to this might think and most people out there would think, is not about predicting or, should I say, guessing about what's going to happen. It's about responding to what's actually going on. Because if you get in the guessing game of trying to forecast what's going to happen, you're either going to be absolutely right or you're going to be absolutely wrong. That's 50-50, red or black. That's not my game at all. I prefer much better odds for my investing than that. Me too. So instead, what we're looking to do is to be able to respond to what's actually going on in the market real time. And by chunking the time down to shorter time frames, we've been able to help our clients be in the market, generate terrific income, but we're not locked into this long-term view which anything can happen in a month or two hours. We're week to week now. Not day to day, you think back a month ago we were trading day to day, now we're at week to week, but we're not at that month to month stage. So your strategy has to be at a concertina or expand out to suit the shape of the market. So week to week, pretty comfortable with where we're at. As I say, with our clients making great money through the last two months, you know, March and April has been fantastic and May will be the same, but we're not trying to guess what June brings, we're just dealing with the here and now. Exactly, you have to be proactive, but you have to live in the moment too. Mm. So, you mean, the stock market's our hustle, that's our main hustle, but for those people who you know, working elsewhere and they need a side hustle. We all know how powerful the stock market, the options market can be. How do those people get involved? What do they do and what would you suggest? The big temptation, and I did, a, did an event last night online event I might add, 
people go, tell me about day trading. You know, we've already covered that in this podcast. Day trading is the biggest mugs game on the planet. No offense to anyone that's a day trader listening to this, but you and I both know you could make a lot more money doing something different. <laughs> yeah, two percent of people cover their costs and, 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 and all make money. It's not the it's not the sizzle that a lot of people out there try and sell mugs game. Um, having a, a side hustle that just ticks over is crucial. And, and and what does a side hustle have to be? How much does it have to bring in to make it of interest to you? You know, for most people, an extra three four hundred bucks a week starts to buy a little bit of time back and starts to go, okay, that's actually worth a look at if you're able to do it on a consistent basis. Some people, their goals are a little bit more um, substantial. If I look at a lovely couple I'm working with as personal mentoring clients of mine at the moment, you know, their goal was just to make an additional thousand bucks a week, that's all. Uh, and, and they needed a strategy because cash wasn't working for them, their, their, their with profit bonds wasn't working for them. Um, they needed something to replace to, to generate that kind of income. And, 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 and you know, on, was it Monday? 1700 bucks in 10 minutes, income paid for the week. That's bought the husband's time back. He does some part-time work just to keep the cash flow ticking over. That's bought his time back and some. You know, so it's not out of reach of everyday people and they're by no means experts in the stock market. They've never invested in the stock market two months ago. What a time they've picked to get started. Crazy. You know, and you know, they've, they've pulled about six, seven grand of income over the last you know, seven weeks. Happy days. Yeah, so that sort of thing is available. And for anyone listening to this, you think, well, oh, they must have millions of them. They don't have millions. What they've got is a game plan that's tailored to work for them. Now, that's not just about what money can I make. It's also where my level of risk is. And these are fairly conservative people too. So this isn't sort of having a massive punt and gearing up and hoping it works well. It's a question of tailoring that strategy to them. So for anyone that's looking for a side hassle, work out what your number is. Where does it become interesting for you? And we can work backward and help create a strategy for you in order to do that. And it's not as hard as you might think, but if you are going to do it, and this will be something I would strongly encourage people to do, get it right first time. Because if you start something and it doesn't go well, you're far less likely to want to go back and have an experience of it again. You know, you take food, let's say you went out for dinner and you decided to get a kebab. Um, you know, and anyone that's maybe had a few drinks on a Friday is probably oh, expecting a kebab at some point in time. But let's say you got really bad food poisoning for that. You know, you're not going back. You're very unlikely to go back to that experience again, you know? And so you're better getting it right first time and not having that food poisoning experience and you go back every week. Trading and investing is the same. The stock market, get it right first time. Don't have that bad experience that leaves you on the toilet. Have the experience that gets you what you expected. How do you get that? Well, you're not gonna learn it watching YouTube. You know, it always amazes me who I'm gonna teach myself or put some money in the account. It ain't going to work because there's some terrific content on there as included. The problem is none of it's cohesive. None of it comes together in the right order that's designed to take you from A to Z, going through all the mechanical steps. You might take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You end up with a duckbill platypus of a trading strategy. You know, it just doesn't pull together. So you can shortcut your way to learning this, especially in the current environment. You, know, you want a very structured, defined process with key milestones, with key support. But all the while, it's checking back into, look, what are you wanting out of this? Rather than somebody else's journey. And you know, that's how I recommend that people start, get it right first time. It's false economy not to go and put five grand in a broken account, give it a go, you'll lose the five grand and you wouldn't have learned much other than the stock market's bad. Put five grand into your own investment education, you'll learn how to do it for real. And you'll make five grand on that, and then another five, and another five, and another five. Sounds pretty good to me. And uh, I think it's so important, you've got to get rid of that baggage and starting off right rather than starting off quick or with shortcuts so important yep. Andrew look we are coming to, to the final couple of seconds of the broadcast is there anything that you want to leave in terms of parting words or a call to action 
Look, I think we've all been in the same boat through this. We're all pretty jibbed and we're done in with being under lock and key uh, and, and living in an economy that's definitely going to be a different world. But, you know, we've talked about this previously. Some of the best presents we ever get come wrapped in some of the most unusual wrapping paper and COVID-19, coronavirus, I think could be the gift that so many people are looking for because it may jolt them out of that sense of security, like I've got a pretty good job. What happens if you don't anymore? Yeah. And you have to have that plan B. So that is a gift. You just have to look at it. And I always remember, yeah, one of my close mentors, Tony Robbins, spent plenty of time with Tony. Yeah, you always look at a challenge and say, where is the gift in this? Number one, it may jolt you out of that full sense of security. She'll be right, mate, we're okay. We don't need to worry about anything else. We don't need to side hustle to, man, we do need something. Our investment property, uh, yeah, the tenant doesn't have to pay rent for the next six months. And then it's vacant for a year. Not such a good idea. Secondly, so, so, so that's one thing. Look for the gift in it. Number two is get it right. Don't mess around, be committed. And it's like anything in life, if you're committed to something, you always get an outcome. If you poke it with a stick, you very seldom do. So be committed, learn properly, do it well. Number three, please don't take shortcuts. Now there's a big difference between a fast track and a shortcut. A shortcut's where you cut corners and cheat your way to success. A fast track is where you eliminate all the unnecessary fluff and focus on what you need to do next. Okay, so fast track. Why, why would you want a fast track? Because this window that we have in this market right now of super normal profit, which is what we've been enjoying and our clients have been enjoying for the last couple of months, will come to an end at some point. And when it does, we're going to have to revert back to helping our guys make you know, one and a half, two and a half, three percent a month in terms of income, as opposed to making one and a half, two and a half, three percent a week. So it's an opportunity to get in now and four or five times the income capacity. But the skill set to do that doesn't happen by accident. You need a structured plan. So dial in. Let us help you. We've done it with thousands of people. There's nothing so special about you, which means you can't learn this. <laughs> it's just simply a process. It's not personality driven. And if you're open, it'll work. And if you're closed and going, I don't need to, I already know this. Well, don't forget, you don't get paid for what you know, you get paid for what you do. And if you're not doing it, it's because your confidence isn't there. And that's something, again, we can fix. Look, that's a, that's a really powerful string of words there, Andrew. Thank you very much. And I guess this whole notion of reopening the economy is interesting. I heard a good quote today to cap this off is that the short-term gain, you know, the, the whole notion, the short-term gain of this economy opening is only masking the long-term pain. There's so much you're going to be doing out there. You're going to need that second side hustle. You're going to need a second plan B. So thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Pleasure as always, Mitch. Thanks very much. Hope you enjoyed the show. The economy is opening up. Hopefully your mind is. And hopefully your wallet will be too as we help you put more into it. Make sure you give us a rating and a review. We'll see you next week.